Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 219 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I am your host, Colin Phoenix Fire, head of at Lave Station, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder for this episode is our health of health and head of health and safety, Ben Mosswoodwood, Commander Aid Levice. I need more caps. Mm-hmm. We have our Inhuman Resources Director, Commander Shan. Hello. Uh, we have, uh, joining us again this week, a Deputy Trade Attaché, <laughs> be Commander Souverine. Hello. And also, in the brig, putting the lotion in the basket, we have uh, John Lunn, or otherwise known as Commander Shockenor. Uh, Hello. You guys, you guys will know him from the EDRPG, Battle Cards, and, and this thing which people call me on the forums. So what oh, forum dad. Yeah, forum dad. Yeah, there's the there's your next game. Forum dad. Forum grandpa. No. Forum grandpa. <laughs> Get off me lawn. <laughs> Unless my daughter comes up to me tomorrow and says something that she needs to tell me, I don't think that's any problem. So if you wish, you can join us live. We are hanging out in game, I do believe in beta, um, around Lave Station. Is that correct, Ben? I am in beta, um, and I'm currently here with Hawkus Alpha and beta, and I've just I've just gotten here, though. Yeah, right. Okay, so that's just around Lave Station. If you can't get to us in game, then we're also in the Twitch chat channel, which you can access through laveradio.com/slash live. Click on the live chat, and of course, we are live on Twitch TV/slash Lave Radio. So we'll go around the the table this week and see how everybody's been doing. Um, I will admit we do have Grant Psychocow Wolcott in the background. He's feeling a bit poorly, but he's pushing all the right buttons. So, Ben, what have you been up to this week? I've actually been able to do a wee bit of your gaming this week. So, yeah, I've done some stuff, lots of stuff in Elite for it as well. I've been, uh, the code were having a wee bit of problems with their system. And they had a, they were in a war over in Reedpot, so I was helping them out. Uh, then I figured, you know what, it's about damn time I went off and had a look at some of this Guardian stuff. Uh, so mm-hmm. I was having a look at the Guardian Bacon, and then their planetary base, and did all that with Toxic on either Saturday or Sunday. I can't remember. Did and you just say? Did you just say Guardian Bacon? Obviously. So I'm just wondering if my ears have gone a bit funny, that's all. No, I, I was talking about Guardian Bacon. Oh, that's right. not really a very kosher comment, is it? Ben? Well, that's okay, I'm not Jewish. Moving on, what else? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then in the beta, I went off and um, I was making use of the FFS scanner, and I was trying to figure out how you use it and things like that, and use that... And then I went off and found Voyagers 1 and 2 and New Horizons over in the Cell System. Um, cool. It took me a while to fly to them, so that I, I went there and I was like, Yay! That's, the, that's Voyager! And it's playing the greetings from Earth kind of things from everybody. Excellent. Um, I was like, Yay! It's there. And New Horizons is dinky. I don't, I have no idea what the hell they made these satellites out of in the 1970s. Because, my God, they're tough buggers. Because, you know, obviously, once I found uh, Voyager, I then I had to reenact the scene from... Oh, from one of the Star Trek films. Was it... I can't remember if it was two or... 
whichever one it was, and you know, like I I need to go off and shoot it. Oh, that'd be five. Um, the one that everyone hates. Yeah, I, I had to go off and I had to go off and shoot Voyager, and I I I shot it so full it should have been boiling. It was full of holes, but it got nothing out. So whatever the hell they made them out of in 1970, I'm impressed. I think it's protected by plot shields. Could well be. Could well be. So, um, well, Grant, if you're able to, uh, we do have people crying out on the chat for a bathroom update. So, <laughs> They'll be so disappointed they will be. There's been absolutely <clears throat> um, nothing in the way of development whatsoever. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's just one of those one of those things. We're trying to get things done. It really is. It's really important to get it done. And, we, you know, Susie is definitely feeling the fact that this bathroom is never going to get done. And I think Souverine last week exemplified that by his comment. Um, the last time I was on, which was over a year ago, you were still talking about your bathroom. So I think it's becoming an epic tale that I think J.R.R. Tolkien knows the end to or maybe what's his name Martin the, you know the Game of Thrones guy maybe he's written the end of my bathroom but we'll soon find out at some point <laughs> may, may, I, may I make a, a, a small observation um, personally I think the bathroom's been completed and working for the last three months <laughs> and you're just desperate to keep talking at one point or another knowing how popular this feature is <laughs> I, I, that is what I was going to suggest as well, that was great minds Colin, I was just going to think it was some kind of publicity stunt you know to uh... <laughs> no <laughs> no, I think my, my wife is definitely at the end of her tether. Um, we've not even got the door up, even though it's ready. But as I say, um, health issues aside, uh, poor old Simuf is... is he got some good, good news from his specialist yesterday that has really cheered him up, that the pain and suffering he's going through actually is a good sign, as opposed to he's getting worse. So that was good news for him. And um, uh, with being a carer for Susie, <clears throat> we had to go and get our, our flu shots, which I've never had. I object to and I don't want them. But I understand how vaccines work. Why you, can I ask why you don't, why you object to them and you don't want it? Um, it's just, again, probably another comment from my grandmother who, who believed that the flu vaccine was the quickest and best way to guarantee you'd catch the other variants. <laughs> just from her nursing experience, it always seemed to be, you know. <laughs> You get the flu jab, it doesn't protect you from swine flu. Oh, you've got swine flu, that's terrible. Whereas if you hadn't bothered getting anything, you'd be fine. I know that's complete horse... She believes in Sod's Law, basically. Yes, yeah, so I'd always have... You know, she always believed in more natural remedies, like building your immune system up using uh, the likes of essence of cinnamon on a daily basis, which incidentally tastes like ass. Um, I'll I'll give you a hint here, Grant. Do not eat slugs. No, yeah, no matter what people say, don't eat slugs. That's that's yeah. not going to help you. I heard about that. That's that's that yes. was horrible. Or at least chew, chew them. Um, <laughs> so, oh, gross. So yeah, um, we went for the flu shops uh, shots, and um, Susie's doing really well. She's had some blood tests and things, which are again, they're just a bit concerned that. Uh, the things that are going on in her recovery need to be checked to make sure that they are recovery and not symptoms. So we have to get loads yeah. of blood tests just now and uh, appointments just to make sure that everything that's happening uh, is all good. And so we went through all that. She got her 
B12 injections, she got bloods taken, and she got her flu jab, and it was all good. And then it was my turn, and I thought, hey, here we go, right? So I've got to get measured, weighed, good weight about where I think it is, that's fine. Um, still got a long way to go, but I've lost at least eight kilograms since May when I started my wee fitness That's camp. really good. So it's going good. I've just got to keep going and keep keep going. And then they did my blood pressure, and she said, "So, what medication are you on for your blood pressure?" And I was like, "Huh? Oh shit." Mm. So yes, that's how that started with me, Grant. Not that I'm worrying you. <laughs> well, you see, and that's what I was going to say. You know, we could compare scores, but I already know that when both are three digits, that's not good. And when the no. first one starts one six something, that's not good either. So, but um, you know, I don't drink, I don't smoke, uh, and therefore I'm doing what I need to be doing anyway. But then it makes you think. How freaking bad was it before I started this in May? Was I essentially inflating my internal organs with blood pressure so high that if I sneezed the wrong way, I would fire out misted blood? I don't know. But, yeah, so that was interesting. So you'd be like Mr. Creosote, but with blood pressure. This is like, you know, this is the sign of how bad Lave Radio is. Now it's going to be garden and blood pressure, uh, you know, results uh, on a weekly basis <laughs> as, as we all go through old age together. We're just waiting to die on this show, aren't we, really? <laughs> That's all the people are tuning in. They're just tuning in, hoping that one time we'll do it live. Actually, Lave actually, Radio, waiting for God edition. <laughs> actually, you could, you could, you could uh, call the show um, One Foot in the Lake. <laughs> yeah, but I never thought I would probably be the most uh, likely to go. You first. just shut <laughs> up. Sitting there looking at all these fat, unfit people around you thinking, I'll not be first. <laughs> <laughs> and then lo and behold. Well, for whoever it is, I am very happy to conduct a completely free service for them. So at least um, they'll be sent off in the right way. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Sean. You're welcome. Please divert our attention. Thank you. Well, I have had no medical <laughs> updates this week. <laughs> it's just been uh, normal life. It's just been normal life. Um, been on the beta quite a bit. Um, trying to get my keys mapped, all two hundred sixty-eight of them. Um, so, yeah, I've just been basically playing the beta, you know, making a note of what I really enjoy, what I think could be tweaked a bit. Um, but, yeah, I've been quite enjoying it. Excellent. Commander Sovereign. Welcome. 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 What have you been up to first since last time we talked to you? Uh, what I've been up to? Um, I sadly haven't been in the beta much at all. Um, apart from, actually, I think the last time I was in the beta was the last time I was on the show. So literally a week ago. Um, and the reason for that is that I, um, for the first half of last week, I was in uh, paroxysms of excitement about getting my new hot ass. Um, and then on Thursday it arrived. And then, um, and then since then I've been grappling with it um and its software trying to get it to work um so it's um uh it's the the verpil uh hot ass the throttle and and stick gubbins that they've that they released late last year um which are awesome but um uh but i haven't managed Usually to get you do it yourself you get a base you get a whole lot of different sticks you plug no, them no, together no, no. Is, is they, that, they all 
it's not really. They, I mean, they have different sticks on the site, and they have got different bases, and you can right. have different bases and different sticks. But but um, VKB, the American one, do that as well. So it's not it's not so much like a do it yourself, but you can just select different sticks. Yeah, and they've got yeah. one that's special. They've got one that's that's specifically for space sims, um, which has a twist axis. So I've gone for that, um, and it's mm -hmm. totally brilliant. Like the, the build quality is like, ah, oh, it's amazing. It's like you know you know how. And you know how excited people get about like stepping into a Tesla for the first time. It's a bit like that. Like it's it's just so much better than the Warthog. Um, but sadly, um, the software is not as good. So I haven't got I haven't got Windows to recognize the axes yet, and I haven't got Elite to recognize half the buttons or any of the axes. So it's been um, yeah, lots of toing and froing with people. In, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So I've spent much of the last week in email conversations with Belarus, which has been uh, a first for me. Does it have to be sure? Sorry, Does it have a Twist. twist your yeah or yeah yeah that's it yeah yeah so the um so the bases are um like fully the warthog bases are basically a plastic ball in a in a plastic socket and with sensors um and the plastic's molded which and so the warthog has what they call stiction because the mold lines on the plastic um, catch on each other um whereas the uh, the really snazzy bases that um, VKB and Verpal do are like fully mechanical um uh like arms on on springs um for each axis so it feels a little bit it there's there's a clunk when you move it but it feels really solid and and um and serious and the and the the the, the twist is is on the on the grip itself um like the x52 if anybody's used that um hmm. so it feels amazing and as soon as it's sorted it um uh, it'll be brilliant, but um, at the moment it's um, I'm about probably forty percent of the way there, I reckon, <laughs> which is pretty annoying. Well, good luck. <laughs> I have done other stuff this week, uh, but that's just been that's been the most um, sort of front of mind elite thing I've been doing, I guess. Right. Well, uh, Commander Shockinor, John, welcome back. Well, thank you for having me on the show again. Now, uh, obviously, there's been some news on, on various items that you'd like to talk about later, but... Whoa. <laughs> um, I didn't so... do that again. That was awesome. <laughs> I'm a bit scared. Is, this, is the orange sidewinder turning sentient on us? <laughs> Grant's saying having, he's having tech issues, so... Doing a backup recording thing. You know, you know that thing about you know the professional behind the curtain where you you don't say things like Ben Ben you're drooling on air so that people don't know that you drool all the time. But <laughs> people know there's a curtain and we go behind it all the time. Well, that's true. Yeah, the fourth wall. Oh, hold on, I better put it back up. Right, hold on, guys. <laughs> just just reinstalling the just fourth go wall and for a minute. Rebuild. You build that fourth wall again. Yeah. I do apologise for this, John. I really, I really do. <laughs> You do not need to apologise. I've been a uh, guest of Grant's um, on the other channel enough times to know that um, this is how we roll. Yes, <laughs> roll. Yeah. Mm. So how, how have you been Welsh for the last week or so? Uh, yeah, as long as you don't make me speak in a Welsh accent or ask me um, to just answer um, using the troll cards from Snowflake, I'll be fine. That was brilliant. Uh, you've given us ideas now. <laughs> why curiously why do you think that the welsh accent seems to suit sarcastic answers so well well it's um yeah i mean my my nan 
side of the family are from Wales and they just do sarcasm brilliantly. So that's why I picked that accent. But they do, don't they? They do they do sound very very sarcastic. <laughs> you can't be sarcastic in Australian really, because they're just far too happy. True. Very unfortunately, I think it's all that Australian they put up with. <sighs> anyway, so there's not really been much activity with the Leave Radio Network itself lately. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, personally, uh, well, let's just say someone's put in the chat that they should call my uh, my health update the ticker tape, which is, yeah, okay. That's kind of Moving ironic because your ticker's held together by tape. <laughs> it's doing quite well now, thank you very much. It's almost back to normal. Well, relatively speaking. Uh, and like Ben, I've been testing the beta and, uh, yeah, basically pottering it about. Although I did lose my crate yet again to a whole load of Thargoid Scouts, which oh, is a bit of a bog. But moving on, we have lots to talk about uh, in this episode today. Um, obviously, the beta being released last week, we've had a good week to get into the ins and outs, and um, a lot of questions have been answered uh, by Paige Harvey, who put um, a Chapter 4 community questions and answer response thread up in the forums. Um, did anyone look through this, and does anything jump out at you for you? Did anyone I looked through it, it? Um, and nothing really jumped out. It's like, yeah, okay, blatantly obvious answers 101. I think my favourite was um, the suggestion that the BGS is reset every quarter entirely. Every how long? <laughs> somebody somebody suggested oh, that the entire BGS reset every single three months to make it fair. No. I, that Seriously. wasn't in pages stuff. That was just that was just in the co random comments of idiots, wasn't it? Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, I didn't read. Okay, that. yeah. Sorry, yeah. I only re I only read pages stuff. Not not um, not the community stuff. I shouldn't call them idiots, should I? Uh, ben, in that you, case, yeah. <laughs> ben, considering that you called everybody who doesn't have horizons yet a bunch of wasted yeah, cheap bastards. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry, but when Horizons is coming out for under seven quid and you're not buying it and you're playing this game for god knows how many hundred hours, Two you years. are a cheap bastard. That's insane. <laughs> um, although I, I, I will. <laughs> can I just, shall I make a confession, actually? What you go on? This is going to be bad, I, isn't it? No, it, it is actually. I logged on to the official Lave Radio account, um, oh, a day or so ago, just to basically verify I could log log into it and see what needed to be done with it for setting up a squadron and things like that. Mm -hmm. And that's when I found out that the Lave Radio account doesn't actually have Horizons. No. <laughs> Are you joking? Such the the only thing that accounts ever been you used for is to set you up absolute cheatscape. <laughs> yeah, I, I did find that and find that find the irony of that quite quite amusing. <sighs> Even though oh. we don't need it for what we're doing, because it's just a it's just to set up a private group. Oh, dear, dear. We, we do apologise. <laughs> <laughs> I think the hypocrisy. <laughs> hypocrisy. The, the hypocrisy. That's the one. Leave uh, radio, cheap bastards. <laughs> which it, is at least true. Not in the Rift. 
<laughs> Which is true oh. in so many ways. Talking, right. about, talking about the Formandine Rift, actually, Colin, have mm-hmm. you noticed since the Exploration livestream, if you go into your galaxy map now in beta, the yeah. all the sectors have names rather than being called Sector, sector 41, Sector 42 and things? Yes, I noticed that. However, wasn't there a complaint that the um, the former Dian Rift was misspelled? <laughs> Did you just miss? I'm going to give you the benefit of that then and say you pronounced that wrongly deliberately, didn't you? Yes. It is, it's called the Fomorian Rift. No, Fomorian Frontier. Um, where's the Fomorian Rift? For uh, F O R M A D I N E. Is that right? Any You're not asking the right person. <laughs> It is a D I N E It is interesting, though, if you that they now show the part of the galaxy you're in in the text when you're about to jump, don't they? Yeah, it's it should be spelt F O R M I D I N E. So yes, it is actually spelt wrong. It's it's the Formidine, not Formadine rift. <laughs> and I'll just point out, I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> Just in case anyone does, takes offence. No, what I want to say is that if you, you know how everyone calls it the friendship drive. Mm-hmm. Yes. And if you're in the uh, the bubble, then the writing at the top is the Orion sector. But the way the text is written, you can quite easily misread it to the Onion sector. <laughs> okay. And all we need to do is add head. <sighs> right. So yes, oh. we we're now on. The beta 1.01, which um, I guess we can, we'll, we'll discuss later uh, in the uh, in the podcast. Um, however, one of the other things that happened this week was the mining and squadrons live stream, uh, where Adam and Ed showed off what was coming with squadrons and what was coming with mining. Um, obviously, the the beta for this or beta two will be arriving tomorrow which, to tell you the truth, I'm quite grateful for, because otherwise my internet connection would be all hammered up again. So um, what did everyone think to the mining uh, and squadrons section? Shall we just shall we start with mining? Boom. Boom, boom. Boom. Boom! boom. Most of the feedback has just been that, hasn't it? Yeah. Explosions. Yeah, I mean, there's some quite interesting thoughts that, I had regarding ship builds for it because it seems as though you're going to have to work your way into more and more expensive ships to be able to do more and more things with mining because you're you know, the, the, the cheapest way of doing mining at the moment is I think to get a hauler and just kind of scoop it up but you're not going to be able to do the range of things you will be able to do in a hauler because it hasn't got a lot of hard points and cargo and slots and all that sort of stuff. So I think people need to set their expectations. I think unless you've got, say, something bigger than a Python or a crate, you're not going to be able to do and fit everything in. It's something you're going to have to grow into to do that, which I think is a good thing. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's, it's reasonable. You can't really expect a tiny little Ford Transit ship like a hauler to be able to do everything you want to do in mining yeah agreed you should be able you should be able to mine but you sh- for, uh, uh, even with a sidewinder but it should be very inefficient and you should and getting better in progress should mean you have access to more better and more interesting ways of doing it okay ben oh, the other thing that we also need to remember is you might you can mine in the wing as well so sorry i'm just making stuff a coffee 
as well. So Shan could go off and blow the asteroid up. I could collect it, and then I could, sh- and maybe shoot the little, the little blastery bits off. So we could, you know, we could combine combine responsibilities, couldn't we? Yeah. I mean, it obviously works in multi-crew as well, doesn't it? Because you're able to... It works in multi-crew, but that's not going to get round the... My ship hasn't got enough room to fit. What is it? You've got a... You've got your, your traditional mining laser. You've got your... You've got your I want to shoot little outcrops off thing. You've got yeah. your I want to deep penetrate this... Well, I want to medium penetrate this rock. And then I want to deeply penetrate the rock and blow it up. So you've got four four hard points there. Mm-hmm. Um, Are we going to let deeply penetrate go? I think we should let deeply penetrate go. Sure, fine. Yeah. Cool. Just I'm taking notes. Just just want to know what kind of crowd I'm in. That's it. <laughs> you're you're definitely in a deeply penetrating crowd. Sweet, awesome. Yeah. Um, and then what do we have? We've got your collector limpet, obviously. Um, your I want to go and look at rock limit limpet, whatever. Um, Whatever that's called, I can't remember. Prospector. That's the one. Uh, you've got your refinery. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You probably need collection limpets as well. I've, I've said collections, I think. So collection, prospector, refinery. And isn't there... Isn't, do we not, isn't there another module that was needed as well, I think? There was a, there different weapons. There was a mining laser. You've got the, yeah, you got the, the four... You've got the four... Four things. I thought there was another module as well. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out tomorrow. But the the upshot was, um, it was impressive when it went boom. (laughs) That was very impressive. Uh, But is it going to pique people's interest to, to, you know... To take part in the lave equivalent, the sort of the elite equivalent of fishing. <laughs> the community's come off and said, by the way, we've got the, the a pulse scanner and a wave scanner that we need to have as well. It's like fishing with a hand grenade. It's <laughs> <laughs> a pretty effective way of fishing. Actually, yeah, that is a very, very good way of comparing it. Much more exciting to fish with a hand grenade. For the fish, certainly. <laughs> I think it. I think it will hold people's interest for a while. Um, in the same way as lots of people enjoy mining, because see, they haven't stopped you using a mining laser. They haven't stopped you no. using the other new stuff. Yeah, you don't exactly. have to blow the rock to bits. So I think mm-hmm. there's a bit of variation in there. Um, it's also a lot of complexity that's been added. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I must admit, this is one of the things that I have liked about this. I mean, um, in order to get the the rock to go boom, it, it's it's not a simple process. And I, no. I do think I do think the the effort that you put in is certainly worth the reward. It, and they, 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 it's it's there's a skill curve associated with all of them as, as well, like th- putting the stuff in, the stuff in the fissures and the the penetrative um, missile things that you've got to you know fire them at the at the right moment. So it, mm-hmm. it sounds like as well as the old stuff, you can there's like now four layers that you can approach four angles you can approach it from and there's skill associated with all of them oh it's fire and release isn't it because you got yeah. to fire then it drills then you say now go then you yeah exactly yeah 
Yeah, so it, it's like the flat cannon, as far as that's concerned. Yeah. Which, is, yeah. I, which I actually have come around to really liking the flat cannon. So I'm looking forward to, to using the mining stuff. So overall, um, what does everyone think? Thumbs up, thumbs down? I think it gets a thumbs up. Well, we haven't tried it until tomorrow, but it looks fun. One thing I was uh, I wanted to see happen, but and I think Frontier said it won't, is I wanted to be able to lay the charges of an asteroid mm-hmm. and then blow the asteroid up when a ship comes close to it. But yeah, I think they said that's not going to happen. Yeah, I think oh, when you do the first one, don't you go off and that starts down a, a timer, so you got like a ninety, you got ninety seconds from the first to the last thing. So I guess you could, if you if you laid all your charges quickly enough, and somebody came by quickly enough, you might be okay. Yeah, it's it's a possibility, but I don't. If you you'd have to be very good to be able to to time it in such a way. Although, if you think about it, it'd be really really funny if the, you were chased by the STC, and and basically you send blew up all the rocks around them. That would be great. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That'd be really cool. Yeah, set a trap. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That'd be so good. Which I, I think was actually... Actually... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nuke, nuke until they glow to, to fire. <laughs> <laughs> I do actually believe that's in the official fiction, the official fiction story in Tales from the Frontier, where we have a Viper pilot who's able to do that. Go look it up. <laughs> but yes, I liked it. There's a couple of things that I thought that was quite interesting that I didn't see in the build they show, and it was probably because it was a hashtag hot build. I didn't see any other ships in there um, to mining or in, or trying to interfere. So, and, it, and that was probably down to the fact they wanted to show the mining, not people coming after them. Um, but it looked quite empty for this particular build. Yeah. I mean, does that mean that NPCs will be doing the same kind of mining? So Good you question. could be flying... You could be flying through Didn't a ring Frontier and then say boom, yes boom. to that. I'm sure Frontier have said yes. NPCs have access to the same mining stuff that we have access to. There's every reason to think that they will. Um, they NPCs can generally do everything that we can do. The other interesting comment they made on the on the stream. I don't know if you caught it, but they said the when they jumped into that section of the ring, the remains of a previous asteroid was already in there from where another player had done something to it. And oh, so it cool. means there is a so there is a persistence there as to what, you know, the, the the mining of the asteroids. So I thought that was quite interesting how it's theoretically possible to completely deplete an area of uh, a ring. Yeah. If I remember correctly, didn't they say that was on something like a one week reset time? Oh that's annoying. why is it annoying? Because uh, just that persistence is cool. Like I, I like the idea that um, he wants I like the all idea the rocks. That, <laughs> I like the idea that it can be pristine when it's untouched, and then there's a gold rush, and then there's a, a an indelible mark left on the galaxy after, like you know, say in Colonia, there's a a system discovered with a load of ringed planets that are that are really rich in X Y Z, and then there's a two or three month long gold rush, and then they're depleted, and then they have that. You know they're always depleted, and then then the focus moves elsewhere. It's more more realistic. Maybe yeah. if we could do it in such a way that you could write words in the rings by removing rocks, <laughs> carve oh. your name on it with the well, letter. No, we know what will be done. The TTP on that would be very short, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. 
We all know what would have been written first, won't we? <sighs> well, hasn't it been drawn across the galaxy already? <laughs> yes, it has. So, so apart from the mining, um, the main thing I think everybody was looking forward to in this one was squadrons. No, I wasn't. Weren't you? Well, not particularly. No, because nobody likes you. And you've got no mates to fight with. <laughs> And let's be honest, that's that's a lot more accurate than you'd like to think, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) So, um, yes. Now, Squadrons, this time, is the new guild system, as far as as I'm concerned on this one. Um, And they, they took us through how to create one and what each of the squadrons were. So. And I, I'm I'm so hesitant to, to say this, but we'll start with Shan. You went through this with a fine tooth comb. What were your conclusions? Um, well, I'm supposed to be positive this week. Um, <laughs> so, can we have your guild system back, please? Yeah, I mean, if, if you want to hear what my thoughts in detail, I, I was on a, the creator's live stream with Obsidian Ant, Yamix, uh, Turjan, and Exegis on Friday. But I, I give people a TLDR here. Um, at its fundamental um, basis, I do not think Discord has anything to worry about. Um, because Discord is superior in every single practical way unless you happen to be part of a Zerg squadron, which will then dominate the leaderboards. So if, yeah, it's, it's it, I'm struggling to remain positive here, can you tell? Um, basically, <laughs> it's not fit for purpose, I don't think. Some wow, people that's positive. Wow. It is. It's, it's, it's about the most polite I can be. Some people will love it. But for the way some people play, it's great. And, you know, if that's the case, then fair dues, enjoy yourself, have fun, brilliant. Okay. However, for the way most people play, in that they have multiple private groups, they, they swap and change depending on how they feel. Those private groups have more than 500 players. And very often, the reason for that purpose the, the purpose of that private group is not something measurable like how many how many ships you've killed or how much trading you've done or expert. there isn't a metric associated with why in those private groups the 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 guild system or the squadron system as proposed does not reflect the way the elite player base generally plays and that is unfortunate okay yeah. so being positive for it for a sec though i do think that it will if you go off and let's say we we get have the live radio network, and then actually no, because that's probably a crap one to say. The Hutton Orbital Truckers had a squadron, which they they do do. I said do do. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, then from their squadron page, they can supposedly quickly and easily mo- mo- um, monitor all of the systems under their control, and yeah. that could be a massive benefit of being in a squadron. Even if you take the rest of the competition stuff and the guild chat out, the BGS management tools in there yeah, that's, might, that's might be a, that's a real benefit. 
I mean, I, I thought that the fact that, okay, there is the 500, they said a 500 player limit per squadron, but the fact that each squadron can actually be assigned to the same faction, it's not a one-to-one -one relationship between the factions. So you can have multiple squadrons to look after the, the hut and truckers and, and stuff like that. Admittedly, uh, at the higher level, you still need Discord in order to coordinate, but it's, surely it's better than what it was. I, I think um, so. Um, I, I feel quite... I mean, I, I haven't actually played with squadrons, but I, I feel the, the there's, two, there's two elements to, to Elite that... Um, there's two elements to, to kind of um, a sense of belonging in a galaxy that, um, or, or in any kind of game, I guess. There's representate. There's there's kind of identity, and then there's um, uh, and then there's agency. So on the identity side, that's being able to identify as part of something and pledging to it. Um, and then on the agency side, there's being able to affect the game world. Um, and a good guild system gives you both. It gives you something to pledge to and be part of and be recognised as being part of, and a way to visibly affect the game world in some way. Um, and what has been a con I had a, a, a a BGS faction when in the early days um, before they slowed down in adding them um, and there were four of us and we absolutely loved it. It was brilliant. Um, and in terms of affecting change in the game world, it's, it's awesome. You know, everything you do is changing the game world in some way and you, um, uh, in, in big and small ways. Um, and, um, but in terms of, in terms of identifying with it, you can't. You know, we were at best in a role play sense. We were just freelance, deniable contractors. We couldn't identify as being part of that faction, and no other player could recognise that we were part of them. Um, you know, presumably on some list in FD's office, we were associated with them, but there was no way of that manifesting. Um, and squadrons fills that gap for me. It gives. So we, we, for a long time, we've had the ability to to make like you know tangible changes in the game world, but we haven't had any way to identify as being the driver of that and squadrons mm. because it's so linked with the bgs it means that suddenly it fills in the identity you know you can say you know we can pledge to and be part of a faction and have that show up on our hud like you can with power play um so i think that while squadrons is not revolutionary it's pretty basic as far as guild mechanics go and of course it's not going to be as sophisticated for things like Texcoms as discord is it does have a place in finishing off the the guild aspect of elite if that makes sense yeah it makes complete sense and someone has made a very good point that um discord's not good for people who are on console yeah true there's uh, also there's also a wonderful um role-playing aspect to the squadrons in so much as you have this idea where um you're part of a squadron but that squadron is therefore is also part of a larger organization and that gives you the opportunity to name your squadron and to have your squadron get involved in trying to i don't know like outperform the other squadrons in your in your group very very similar to sort of you put the army next to the navy and everyone in the army will go yeah well we're better than those bunch of um you know anyway they'll, they'll say they're better and then um but you put i don't know the engineers next to the royal artillery and they'll out try to outpiss each other with um how good they are so i i quite like the idea of the different squadrons and ben said uh you know they, they they've missed the thing because they're not allowing people to have decals for their squadrons which i think they will do in time they must do. They must allow people to identify with their squadron. So you can either be the 17th Hut and Trucker squadron or you can give it a name and you can be the the Black Valkyries or whatever. And 
and that that just allows for an extra depth of role playing. I get the technical side of it to Shan might not necessarily work, but from a, an added role playing aspect, I think it's awesome. Mm, yeah, yeah. I just want to pick up on a couple of things there to share my thoughts on it. Um, I kind of get what you were saying, Suvarin, about the um, adding an extra dimension to BGS and stuff like that. And I'm just asking the question: Well, if you've got groups like uh, Hutton, um, you've got big player groups that manage multiple systems across the BGS quite successfully. What does that add to it, other than just presenting a pretty face on it? Because player groups are already doing it. Um, and the and the other thing I want to pick up on, sorry, just kind of merging, is one thing that I don't like about the um, leaderboard system. Well, there's a couple of things, but the main thing is if it will focus the community's attention on squadrons that achieve goals that Frontier think are noteworthy rather than goals that the community think are noteworthy. So let's say, for example, um, Zerg Squadron is top of the leaderboard for training, exploration, and combat all season. Then Zerg Squadron is going to get far more attention and be thought far better off of than, say, the Fuel Rats. Because what the Fuel Rats do is not measured in the same way, so therefore is not reported in the same way. So it gives a kind of skewed view to the player base of how good a squadron is. All it, so that's that's the other thing. The the other part of the um, leaderboard I don't particularly like is with only 500 slots in a squadron and having such a metric-based reward system it will it or will it not encourage the uh, oh you haven't you haven't done as much grinding this week you are the weakest link goodbye and it would just basically cause people to be kicked out of guilds for not meeting a quota whether that's correct or not but there's always that i can't go on holiday i have to contribute or else i'll be kicked culture that leaderboards tend to promote yeah maybe not, not, not impossible. Um, I mean, you're, you're, there's a couple of assumptions there that get that take us to that point, and there might also be a natural sorting. You might get, you might get things like the fatherhood emerging, who are, um, you know, uh, specifically casual groups. You know, their whole thing is that we don't play elite all the time. It's not the center of our world. We're all casual players. So you might get a stratification in which some squadrons become known as competitive, in which you can't be inactive, and other ones. Might become known as being more appropriate for more casual players potentially. Do you think they'll allow for an opt-out system or a, a league system where you kind of say, like the fuel rats, opt to not be judged by that, or don't you think that they'll they'll be that option? Well, I That's think a good idea. I think you'll be judged because you're not on the list. People will just look through the leaderboards and assume because you're not on the list, you're rubbish. And yes, it does make some assumptions, but this is from experience of other games that have a similar system going way back when. Yeah, okay. So, Fair enough. so uh, and this is what will happen. And I don't think the uh, one squadron per player or per account, uh, the effect of that should not be underestimated because... On, on the stream I was on on Friday, we had DJ Truthsayer of the Sovereignty saying that the Sovereignty were considering not even making a squadron uh, because they didn't see the benefits and they couldn't manage it properly. And 
the whole thing was they may as well stick with Discord and private groups because of what the squadrons offer. And I thought that was quite sad to hear because I, you would have thought really active groups um, would be able to embrace the squadron mechanic. And, um, well, people use distant worlds, for example. Um, you'll say, oh, well, you can join distant worlds and then you can jump back to your old squadron to catch up and stuff like that. Well, that's fine because Frontier said you can leave one and join the other without penalty. But in organizationally, that's not actually correct because the penalty is the poor guy who has to be sitting around accepting and rejecting invitations all day because people want to play with different friends. So it's going to be quite a, a nightmare for an overhead, especially when you've got, and I realize consoles can't use Discord. But hey, you can you, you you can get Discord on your smartphone and your tablet. You don't have to have Discord on the tablet to do Discord stuff. So I I don't know. I, I I'm I'm disappointed in it because what I hope they would have done would be to look at the what works with modern games and the way players play at the moment. In in that they're not very monogamous to their player group. In general, they tend to switch around where the friends are and as the mood takes them. It's a very much more casual arrangement. So I'm, I'm surprised they didn't look back and think, oh, okay, this, this is what's good now. This is what people expect. This is how our community plays and then model around that. And there may, as well, there may well be technical reasons for it, you know, or there may well be valid reasons that we haven't thought of and, you know, Frontier do this for a living, so I wouldn't rule that out. But it would be good to know the reasoning behind that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, I feel a little bit that the I, I like that it's radical and bold, um, and it would have been very safe for them to. That, so there's a you, you could accommodate the fact that the, the game's grown up with these kind of um, uh, amorphous groups that exist outside the game because there wasn't an in-game way for them to do so um, when the game launched. In the same way that people got used to jonking as exploration, and Frontier's been quite bold in both regards because they've torn up the old system despite the fact that people got used to it and it's very much like a well look it was placeholder this is this is what we wanted to do this is the evolution of the game um and i, I think you're i absolutely agree with you that some people will be pissed off um i don't necessarily think that's a terrible thing um i don't think i don't think frontiers first responsibility is to keep existing player groups happy or to furnish all their needs i think that probably their first responsibility is to make the best game they know how and their second responsibility is to keep players happy, if that makes sense. The risk of that is you end up with no players, or a, or, <laughs> or or you or you end up with a product like CQC, which is so niche and so underdeveloped to its potential that it just becomes a joke within the community. I and think yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah. I think Shan, is too important to do that. I think I think Shan, you've hit critical negative mass right there and before you disappear down the CQC hole, we better save you. Here, jump onto the safe mattress, you're in a safe place now. But no, you I was about to say I, I was about to I was about to um to get into a positive side here, Cow, about squadrons, and I do have positive things to say what I think are good ideas. Uh, while I've criticized the leaderboard system, I do like the in game cosmetic rewards you can earn. Um, by doing in-game stuff. So rather than having to buy it from the shop or go to a certain convention or stuff, the, the driver... You can get cosmetic rewards for this. Yes. Bobbleheads and things. Oh, the, the, if you're in the top three uh, guilds. 
Yeah, if you if you if you're yeah. top in the leaderboards, you win a little dashboard trophy. Yeah, yes. uh, and that is a powerful motivator to get people to play. So that is something about the squadron system I like. I'm not sure I agree with the I mean, leaderboards. It's going system, negative it's again. Yep. Isn't that just going to go off? And... Like... I know, but at the risk of going negative again, isn't that basically going to say, well, yeah, uh, all these little guilds, screw you guys, I'm joining those big boys over there. Well, that is the concern over the leaderboard, which is why I say, for unless you're a Zerg guild, your yeah. max 500 thing, you, the leaderboard stuff is of no consequence to you. And since it's a leaderboard side, that is a differentiator between squadrons and Discord, you might as well just use Discord. Yeah, but we're getting these rewards for winning stuff in the leaderboards, aren't you? I think we need to remain how that's how that's going how that's going to work out um it, it it can be a powerful motivator or it can be a, a demotivator for or yeah. not part of the thing so we need to see how that works out historically um being balanced about it well personally um considering that uh i've not really had been involved in guilds before i'm actually looking forward to it um it's just probably an easier way to connect with people in game because uh, I will admit I don't like tabbing outside the game in order yeah, to, to deal with annoying. these things. And it is annoying. I prefer to have other tools in game. And uh, <sighs> I, I, I just find that it, it's, it's good for, I think it's going to be good enough for what I need it for. I mean, yeah, I can understand where people are there going to go, oh, no, but I want to go with this squadron for a little while and that squadron for a little while. I don't see a problem with that. I don't see a problem just being the member of one squadron at a time. Yeah, I don't I don't see a problem with that at all. In the, my issue is I would like to be in the Lay Radio Squadron, the Hutton Squadron, the Sagittarius Ice Squadron, the Fuel Rat Squadron. But that's because you're a cheap whore. <laughs> yeah. Your and point? No, but <laughs> would to pick one in game wouldn't w won't necessarily be um, might lead to interesting gameplay. Sorry, I interrupted you. Keep going. Mm. Uh, I just you know I want to I, I represent myself. You know I I feel associations with all those groups, and I want to. Okay, fine. I might be doing work and fly the flag for one of the groups at any particular time, but I still want to say, be able to join in the Sagittarius I guild chat whilst I'm flying the flag for lay radio. And I think, yeah. that is the, I think that is the thing, is if people want to stay with one squadron, absolutely fine, great. But people, <laughs> I think, should have the choice between whether they want something they want to do or not want to do, rather than being railroaded down a particular route. And I think that's probably my comment, is it doesn't give the player a choice in the way they play their game. It says, right, you're doing this way. Tough. Which, well, I, I don't know. We'll, see how, we'll have to see how it works out. But from... Shank, I've got to ask this. Do you think it was a complete waste of time? What, the squadrons? Yeah. Because that's the impression I'm getting. No, I don't think so, because there are parts of it I like. And there are definite players who are so dedicated to their, their, their player group that the squadron system will be, a, will be a lot of benefit to them. So to say it's a waste of time, I think, is disingenuous because there are groups of players, and probably quite a few, 
that will actually enjoy and get a lot from the content. So for me to say that, I would be dismissing this whole group of players who actually who actually like it. What I'm what I'm saying is from my opinion, my experience of guild leading and the guild mechanics, it is very limited in in that. And if I'm thinking through it logically, um, I would still use Discord. The the one thing that would have been a good motivator for squadrons was the fleet carriers which would have been assigned to those squadrons. Now, at the moment, we don't know what's happened to those fleet carriers. They don't know whether they, they're going to put them in at a later date or whether they've been dropped. So would yeah. that have changed your mind? As far as I'm I I feel like this, the fleet carriers were a cool thing, but they weren't... Um... Uh, and they were a useful headline feature, um, ironically so, for the Q4 update, which is, um, which until very recently was was all we knew about it was that it was just a basic overhaul. So it was a kind of it was a useful headline feature that is you know something tangible that people can imagine and draw pictures of and that kind of thing. Um, but I think the the real virtue of squadrons was, um, and I, 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 okay, so here's here's a here's a, a slightly wider point, but the. Um, the people like the Fuel Rats and Sagai and Lave Radio are not actually the ideal use case for a squadron because none of those. Well, actually, I guess um, I guess the Fuel Rats are definitely in game. But all of those, all of them are designed. Um, well, the latter uh, Fuel Rats and Sagai are particularly um, defined by things they do out of the game. So um, I'm also part of a. Um, I actually joined it as a part of uh, as research for a, an upcoming article we're doing. But I'm um, I'm part of a. A player group that's um, part of the Petraeus community, and Squadrons is literally perfect for them. Those guys have one one affiliation. They're really tribally pro their player group first, and then and then their um, and and by extension their BGS faction, and then in a wider sense um, their power, um, and then in a wider sense the Empire. So having one firm affiliation to one squadron works great for them. And the other feature that we've overlooked is that. Um, there's one thing that Squadrons is going to kick the ass of Discord in, and that's um, measuring activity. Um, in on the channels in that player group I mentioned, they're always coming into like objectives channels and posting, "Oh, three more kills here, hold X tons here," and then somebody writes that down, and they they keep tallies of of how they're doing against objectives and things. And it's a complete pain in the ass. Um, Discord, uh, sorry, Squadrons is going to completely remove all of that. There'll be no need to report what you've been doing because it's it'll be automatically tied. Other than doing that for the purposes of kicking inactive players for not grinding enough, well, what would people use it for? Um, okay, so say for example you are, say for you're managing a BGS faction and you are trying to instigate a war in one system to, uh, or an election in one system so that you can win an asset like a station, and you're trying to, um, and you're trying to instigate a. a, a a bust uh, or a lockdown state in another um, faction in another system in order to prevent another group doing something. Um, you and you've got ten players, and they've each and they each got a limited amount of time that they play the game. And you're all very motivated, and you've got all these goals. Knowing um, it, the, the BGS is, you know, the, the, there's quite a good understanding about how much effort to do these things. So having a, having a, a like a real time updated target for for example, logging combat bombs in the in the war zone, so that you know how long you have to be there and doing that, would be really useful for. Them. So it's, it's not about oh you've been doing more than the other thing. It's for them as a group to know 
hey, hold on, look, we've achieved, we've, we've achieved that objective. Now let's fly over here and do this. But don't you think that's a risk of being able to do that? When I know I'm thinking negative, but my experience with guilds and stuff is that if there's a way a group of players can use it to control another group of players, then they use it. Uh, still, same with Discord. Like you know, on, on, in Discord community, you you can easily see who co- who contributes the most. I mean, on, on Live Radio on our Discord here, if if one of us just didn't say anything for three months, we'd probably change their role or boot them or something like that. You know, it, and that's currently the equivalent. Of we the haven't. Guild John John is still in the in the orange. Fair enough. Well, you guys are a <laughs> paragon of virtue. I know that at Sagai we would we we have if people if people don't contribute for a, for ages we would remove their roles just so they don't get pinged about things but you know i just don't think there's a huge difference in terms of incentives um and i i feel like this this risk of booting people for an activity is no i don't feel it's much more real in squadrons than it is in the way we're organizing communities now so then why have the squadron in the first place why not just do it all through discord because again we go back to being in game and there is an advantage. There is the advantage I've just mentioned, which that we don't have to have players updating spreadsheets so they can manage their objectives and and logging their players' activity. Because that, yeah, you know, we don't want to be doing that. It's the, the benefit of squadrons is that um, is that that stuff's going to be automatically done. I, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I just find that that squadrons is is really for the people who really feel tribally about a group. Um, Squadrons is going to be great, and a lot of the groups that people are saying, "Oh, you know, I want to be part of Sagai, I want to be part of the Fuel Rats, I want to be part of this and that," cool. But Squadrons isn't actually—it's not designed or ideal for those groups. I mean, Sagai—it doesn't matter whether you're a member of our squadron or not; it won't impact on whether you can write articles for us. It's um, you know, it's not the best use case. Likewise, Fuel Rats isn't isn't a squadron. They don't they don't work together to achieve specific objectives. They're a completely decentralized service provider. Oh, my goodness, we're into management speak today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, one of, the, one of the possibilities I did consider, and it was related to, to what you've just been saying, Sirene, is maybe that when we look at squadrons, we think of guilds. And so the experience and the comments and the feedback we're giving is because in our minds, we're thinking guilds. If you then change that thinking to permanent wing, then it becomes an, e- an easier concept to grasp, certainly in my mind anyway. So a squadron isn't a guild, it's a permanent wing. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Um, I, I haven't actually played other MMOs, so I don't know what guild systems are like elsewhere. Um, they tend... It's a good point as well, actually, in that yeah, people, if you go and get booted from a squadron for the wrong reasons, you probably don't want to be in that squadron anyway. So you go off and... Yeah, fine. You, you go and join this majorly we're BGS focused rah 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 squadron who do kick you because you didn't hand in twenty million widgets a week. But that's not your playstyle. You don't want to play with it like that. So you go off and you and uh, you find your your the right squadron for you. Yeah, and the, the way the squadrons are set up at the moment with the tags, they give you an idea of you know what kind of squadrons you're signing up for. So basically, there is a casual squadron. There's a you know like like uh, uh, like some of the the ones we've already talked about, which you know we only work 
five, ten hours a week, uh, we're a casual squad, we're not hardcore. So if that's okay for, for you, then if that's the kind of group you want to play with, then sign up. There's nothing to say to you, right, um, I really want to join the big squadrons because they're the biggest. There's, if, if you run, oh, I'm just losing my thread here now. <laughs> but the, the point, the point that I'm trying to make is, is that yeah, I, I think this this system is a heck of a lot better for managing things in game than than what we've had before. Because I just, yeah, I agreed. do not like a two Discord. And as and like I said, Shan, the the one thing that and I've being the member of one squadron at a time, I don't find that a problem. I think a bit of um, there's if it if we didn't have access to if, if we could have multiple squadron memberships, you would get the problem where it would make certain gameplay, certain aspects of gameplay difficult, like wars, for example. Um, like forcing force monogamy does mean that you get that you can do things like build allegiance, build alliances, build, um, like, have, have wars, have rivalries. Um, if you have, like, if you have people with loads and loads of different, different memberships, it just, I, I just feel like the galaxy would be an amorphous mass where everybody was loosely every, every, every other yeah, exactly. um, friend. Well, what the, the answer to that is what um, Elder Scrolls and Guild Wars 2 do. And they have the concept of you choose a guild you represent at any one time. So any, say, for example, you had multiple squadrons and you would choose to represent Lave Radio when you're doing some trading, for example. That's a good and all your And all your trading points would go to Lave Radio. If you had a PvP guild, you wanted to do PvP in or CQC, all your CQC points would then go to that guild because they'd be wasted in Lave Radio, for example. So that's the sort of of flexibility that the system introduces. Yeah, that would solve yeah, that problem. But wouldn't that also mean that you could only be a member of a guild to do that certain task? No, because if you wanted to do CQC and Live Radio, you could, just that your CQC effort wouldn't count towards that of the CQC squadron. Um, yeah. It would obviously help Live Radio CQC stuff. It's just that, say, Live Radio is trying isn't really caring about cqc so yeah fine you're doing it but it doesn't it's not gonna count for much or something i guess as i say i, I think it's this the system should ideally suit both groups of players and uh and being positive i'm glad there are groups of players who are really looking forward to this and i don't want to dampen their enthusiasm by my criticism, because I'm looking at things from one point of view and from my experience point of view, where for other players might have a different experience and may actually love it. So I'm criticizing the systems, not the players, hopefully. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I, I did, in the early days, I suggested a system in which you have um, like an extra tier on the members, which is like a friend of or associate, which means that you could have access to the chat channels, but you wouldn't contribute to their objectives. This is um, something that I was intrigued about. Is because can't the squadrons have alliances with other squadrons or something? I think I mean, that's something. The, I think that's the aim. I don't know much about it. So yeah, that's definitely something I do want to experiment with and play with after tomorrow when this comes out. Yeah. 
That 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 potentially. I mean, power play is such a complete bloody mess that, that <laughs> we do need some system for. I mean, in my mind, the perfect system of like PvP alliances, politics, all that stuff mixed together would be a system in which factions and squadrons are one and the same thing, and they can form official alliances with each other, and then those big alliances could form into bigger ones, and then you end up with these big power blocks that rise and fall dynamically according to changing situations, totally driven by players, which would be really cool. And that doesn't that mean the rise of the goons? True, yeah. Good point. Which, yeah. That is something like Guild Wars 1 did, because what the, the history was, in Guild Wars 1, they had uh, one account per guild. So if it, so very similar to how it's going to be squadron. So one account per guild. Then after about a year, um, the players were pushing back and saying, look, this is far too inflexible. We can only have 100 people in, in our guild, and we've got more friends than that. We, we need something to help us out in this. So what ArenaNet then did is they then came up with a concept of alliances where up to 10 guilds could join together. They all shared the same chat. Um, they, when they worked for objectives, it was for an alliance-wide objective. And, and they kept a different tag. So you had an alliance of guilds. So you knew um, if there was a guild tag of X, then they were in league with Y and Z. So you knew whatever. And very, that was why they did that, because this one one account per guild was very limiting to what people wanted to do, and they then introduced the alliance system. But again, it can be built on. Um, I, I'm just curious to see the, the rationale behind it. Um, hopefully, um, we'll be able to have an answer to that too. Right, so well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to draw uh, a line under this, that discussion at the moment. Um, there was one final thing that I did see in the live stream which took me by surprise, and that was well, we saw all the different um, chat channels that were available, but one which did I, I thought was really missing was the system-wide one, so that you are not limited anymore to just the people that are either in that are in your instance if you are in the same system you can chat with anybody in that that's system i thought that was that was uh, that's something that i think's been missing for a while yeah seems seems an easy seems an easy fix doesn't it yeah but the, I mean, of course it, before it was just limited to the instance and yeah i think i think that is one of those things that is definitely needed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Grant, if you could be so kind, uh, we'll, we could do with an advert, advert break while everyone refreshes ourselves after, after that heated debate. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then we'll come back with uh, some of the in-game news. This is a public service announcement from the Fuel Rats. Please stop what you're doing and pay attention. If we can rescue you, we will. But you can help us help you by following these easy steps. 1. Fly 50 light seconds or so from the system's main star and drop out of supercruise. 2. Note down the current system and the nearest stellar body. 3. If you're on emergency life support, log out immediately. 
Four, go to fuelrats.org and click Get Help. Five, stay calm, hold your breath, and let our seasoned professionals do what they do best. The Fuel Rats. We have fuel, you don't. Any questions? Eddie Lee Wise here. Our family-run business looks after all your sartorial needs. Whether you need something to turn your pink python purple, or you want to wrap your buns up in a nice tight flight suit, Millsburn Ken can sort you right out. He's an expert at inside leg, and my wife Barb's is a whiz with a sewing machine. Bespoke tarting for you and your ship. Visit Eddie and Sons, plus my daughters, at Lave Station. Right, sir. Cough, please. <coughs> and welcome back. Well, what we're going to discuss now is that there have been a few in-game events which have, have, have happened over the, over the last week or so. And top of the list, the Fuel Rats. They announced on Monday that they did their five, no, 50,000th rescue. Ben, do you know about this? I'm aware of it, yes. They've done the 50,000th rescue. Congratulations, and I haven't been rescued once. So I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> You've not had to be rescued at all. Has anybody here, apart from Fozza, had to be rescued? Uh, yes, I have. I was about 16,000 light years out um, coming back, and I stupidly tried to do something like, I don't know, watch something on my iPad whilst I was flying. And I was like, oh, Christ, I'm getting low on fuel. Went to the um, the galaxy map, and I was surrounded by brown dwarves. I mean, surrounded. I was every, thousands of light years in every direction were just these sodding great big brown lumps of useful uselessness, and that was it. So, some complete lunatic jumped sixteen thousand light years out to fuel me up. Have I you ever been tempted to join the fuel rats? Have you ever been tempted to join the fuel rats? No, I mean Not we've me. got we've Ashley um, has joined the, the the fuel rats, hasn't he, Doctor Toxic? Yeah, he's definitely done. To- he's definitely done some stuff. I've done some unofficial fuel rusting for people who are like I need petrol. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that they have. And of course, uh, just... Flossie over in uh, the yeah. Hutton. She's a hardcore fuel she rat, is isn't she? She's definitely a hardcore fuel rat, yeah. And, and I think if I was to join, I would become the fuel twat, you know? And there'd be nothing... <laughs> You'd be the one who gets sent out and need rescue, don't you, Brad? Well, yeah, I'm the one that they'd have to send two fuel rats out. One, you know, once I get there, and then one to rebuild my ship so I could get back. Um... <laughs> You know, there'd be nothing but constant sort of stories about oh, another fuel rat's collided and blown up as supposed <laughs> rescue. That's about you are the five percent of rescues that they haven't managed, aren't you? <laughs> yes. uh, I've never ever been tempted to join the fuel rats. I think what they do is brilliant. I've never been rescued by them, and I've never felt them to, to join them. It's it's certainly really cool, but um, you've got to be a certain type of person to to, <laughs> to do that. Yeah. I, I must admit, when um, I was on the Guardian website and people were discussing the, the the PS4 release of Elite, and I mentioned you wait till you you have people you have people like the Fuel Rats who do this kind of thing. People couldn't believe the fact that there were gamers that would be that helpful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, exactly. it just it just lent 
credence to all the what everybody thinks of toxic gamers and then along you come with people like the fuel rats who do this and you sort of they're thinking well they're not all that bad yeah and when you talk, when you tell people the distance they're like oh yeah and it only takes 15 minutes to run across the Skyrim map. And then you're like, no, 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 no. It takes literally 20 hours to traverse this thing. <laughs> like, it's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a staggering time sink. Well, the, the, we had two fuel rats on, didn't we, who rescued the commander who was then furthest out anyone had been. And they were in Super Cruise for like two days, weren't they? Oh, no. It's incredible. Ignoring the fact that that was also out past. Um, Oh, what bigger point wasn't it? You know, it's like bigger point plus two days. Yeah, it was. It was significant. It was. It was uh, a number of light years beyond bigger point or the new. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Mm. Mm. The, um, um, the fifty thousand thing. They they hit forty thousand fairly recently. Um, the only reason I mention that is that, that I feel like it's. Um, if you're rats listening, will probably correct me, but I um, I feel like there's something exponential going on because I'm pretty sure it was. <laughs> Only about six months ago, that they hit forty thousand. Well, that, that that kind of leans uh, raises an interesting question: Are people actually just getting more careless? <laughs> or are the fuel rats getting more ne- more well known? <laughs> well, also, well, it could be the question: Are people coming back to the game, or coming mm-hmm. to the game? fresh faced and brand spanking new because you know you if if you're looking for where the fuel rats will be busiest it's with noobs who bless them haven't got much of a clue that's what they we did an interview with them and uh, the founder said that their biggest spikes of activity corresponded to the biggest influxes of new players mm-hmm. well, well new, so ships. We'll, we'll, <laughs> new ships yeah, there's still- a good that dolphin yeah, caught me out and flipping four jumps later and I'm stranded. And there wasn't even fuel limpets then. I had I mean, I'd have had a fuel rat then if I could have. All I had to do was I sat and I waited and I just hoped that in the the update would come soon. And then I found out when you run out of fuel you blow up. So it saved me the hassle. <laughs> <laughs> it, will be it will be interesting to see whether the call out rates for fuel rats increase because everyone's trying to work out what the FFS scanner is saying. They run out of fuel doing <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's going to be an interesting one. Um, also, on the fourth of November, the T nine Canyon race took place, where people took T nines and decided to race them through a canyon. <laughs> that, Such an awesome idea! <laughs> that was an absolute nutty thing to do. So um, we'll salute everybody who took part. Because oh, that man. was Commander Scorpius, isn't it? Doing yeah, stuff for Cancer Research UK. Yes, it was, and ah, um, <laughs> uh, th- those things—they just—they don't turn. <laughs> I love. Was anybody there for the race? No, I was. I was, you know, I was kidding myself on, thinking I might even be close to being back. I've been stuck in the fricking the abyss. I'm trying to just beginning to get my way across it now, but holy crap, getting to Beagle Point is difficult enough, and yet I didn't <laughs> anticipate it being this bloody difficult to get back. <laughs> <laughs> I keep saying um, on the subject of slightly off topic, um, but on the subject of space cows, I keep seeing posts about people loving Type Sevens, yeah, making them awesome explorers and and various things. Anybody flown one and liked it? No, I I no. love like the change. Not since the change. One thing oh, that no. has problems the change. Sorry, one thing that has come up, which is a really good change, 
um, is the passenger ships, uh, Dolphin, Orca, and Beluga, no longer have dedicated passenger slots. Yeah. So you can now equip them with all sorts of fun things. And they actually make crashing exploration ships. Um, I think someone was saying their, their Orca could do 66 light year jumps and uh, boost to 620 meters per second. Now, when when did this what come in? I missed I missed the this was in beta. And th- okay, this is in the beta. Is that a cock up or is that a deliberate thing? No, Seems it's deliberate. It's in the it's in deliberate. The okay, it, have it, they got rid of military stuff and everything as well? Then no, it's it's it, the reason it's interesting is it's it's a deliberate about turn because they did as as recently as sort of six yeah. months ago. The chat was oh yeah you know we're making ships more actually I think it was at Lavecon they said yeah we're making ships more specific. There's the dedicated military slots and passenger slots. Well, that's why I'm wondering if it's a cock up. Yeah no no it, I mean it's it, it, it's in the patch notes so it, it, it must be unless it's a case of one the right hand not talking to the left hand it seems deliberate. Mm. But if, if if so it's a reversal of a policy. And I think, particularly with the exploration changes, I think we are in need of more exploration yes, friendly definitely. ships. Yeah, um, mm, absolutely. So I'm interested to see what I can do with the with the passenger ships because the Beluga actually turns pretty well in the Super Cruise when compared mm. to that to Anaconda. So Beluga's got yeah. a brilliant fuel tank as well. I think someone worked out they could do 600 light years between refuels with one. Yeah, I could well believe that. Um, well, I mean, it, that kind of makes the Asp Explorer um, pretty redundant. And uh, Scout. A bit of a shame. Not yeah, really. <laughs> the Scout's been redundant for like two years. Well, true. <laughs> no, there's, no the, Asp, the Asp is still a very good all-round ship. Um, so I don't think it invalidates it. And the cockpit view from the Asp is pretty unparalleled, really. Um, the, That's true. The view, so if you want a good cockpit view and the, and the interior to look like a student flat, then yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cracking multi-role ship as well. It is. It is a very good multi-role ship. Um, so don't don't count. The don't Asp you think yet. the Asp Explorer and the Diamondback Explorer, by their very name cha- names, should be the 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 bestest in exploring ships? Yeah, that's the point I was trying to make because I, I always think if you've got the name Explorer behind it, I mean, surely this is a specialized ship for exploring. Yeah. And when you get outdone by a luxury liner, is this the kind of the USS <laughs> Enterprise being overtaken by the QE2? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the the, the um, Dolphin for a new player or, or someone who's looking to get their second account up and running it's a great option to get the dolphin and to go out exploring with one of those. Um, you're in the Diamondback Explorer, you start coming to a halt and the whole cockpit shudders and there's that whole effect that just oh, it makes me want to throw up. And then you step into the dolphin and it's a beautiful luxury, much cheaper, much faster, much better explorer. Why on earth would you ever want to go back to a Diamondback ever? Yeah, that's a good point. It's a weird change, isn't it? It doesn't seem to make any sense. Yeah. It, um... The thing is, how's the community taken this one? I'm a, I mean, personally, I don't, I don't like it. Um, what does everyone else think? I think, in general, the community is very favourable of it. There's quite a long thread on the forum for people celebrating the change. Um, that yeah. might just be people. I mean, say for example, we doubled the damage of multicam. Lots of people would celebrate that. It doesn't mean it's, it doesn't mean it's necessarily, or, or for example, doubled the payout of missions. Lots of people would celebrate that. In in a kind of short termist way, it, it it's 
it makes some a, like a player's evening in the game better in the health of the game sense it might not be do, do, do you know what i mean like it, it yeah, might not be yeah. yeah that's kind of they might be celebrating it because oh yeah i can do more with the ship now but they might not be thinking like in the spectrum of, of all ships how does this affect the others well moving on quickly from there because um i've just seen what the time is <laughs> um the other two main uh, in-game events so far, um, the uh, anti-Xeno initiative didn't do too well last week because there were two successful Thargoid attacks. Um, uh, at the moment, um, three more systems un under attack at the moment. Uh, of course, we'll find out what the results of those defensive actions will be on Thursday. Uh, and the IDA have managed to repair uh, the latest station, and now Limard Legacy is their new repair target, which means I think that's almost all of the station in the Pleiades which have been repaired. Um, unfortunately, it does mean they've still got more stations burning or needing fixed than um, we originally had. <laughs> <laughs> mostly, <laughs> mostly because we're not managing to defend against the, the attacks now. So, uh, lately... Everyone's in the beta, isn't it? Oh, yeah, and this is the other thing, because when the beta does happen, um, the live events or the, the events that happen in, in the main game, they kind of get left behind for a little while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Newsletter 251 basically covers most of the things that we saw before. Um, we saw bright orange uh, dolphin ship paints. Was there anything that anybody would like to raise about Newsletter 251? <laughs> I don't remember what was in it. I think the only thing that I'd mentioned in it was that the Pixel Bandit Security Force did a 24-hour stream over the weekend as well um, yeah. for Mind. So while Scorb was doing his thing, I think they were also doing their thing. Uh, and then, yes. we've also, then we've also got truckers going up tidy next weekend. Yes, we do. Sunday. Sunday. Yes. This Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Join us so. at twitch.tv forward slash Hutton Orbital Truckers from <laughs> feckin' 6am, I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> tell you what I won't be doing. <laughs> it's supposed to be on her bike from 6 in the morning. That's yes. going to be the highest um, uh, place our card game has ever been played. <laughs> <laughs> now you need to take it up Mount Everest, John. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. Um... No. No. <laughs> you won't have enough space at the top of Mount Everest to set up a board. <laughs> I would say we take Snowflake up Everest, but they've got a few already, so. Yeah. Oh, yes. Good, good segue there, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so obviously we've had the beta for uh, a week and the the one thing that's come out of this has been as well, a whole lot of feedback about the fss the free the uh, the scanner or as everybody around here likes to call it the ffs not just around here i heard it on the frontier live and people at work <laughs> and people in other places as well calling it the ffs <laughs> it's an unfortunate acronym to be honest mm. Yes. However, someone, um, a, a, a very helpful commander, has gone and mapped all the squiggles in the, the FSS. I'm going to carry on doing it right, because that's the way I'm rolling. <laughs> and um, they've managed to map out where the more important squiggles 
that you'd want, like the, the Earth-like worlds and the gas giants and so on, would be on that scanner. What did, what did people think to this? Because I thought that was a godsend. This is actually done by uh, Cohen Leff, who's been on the show, if I remember. Yes, he has. Yeah. Um, really? So, yes. That's remarkable. He's, um, he, hates, uh, he hates speaking live. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he hates playing radio. <laughs> <laughs> he hates you guys. <laughs> uh, uh, he, I'm, uh, sure, I'm, yes. I'm sure Cohen, I think Cohen Leff joined us. He's um, French. Oh, he, maybe maybe he, he's not. I can't remember now. He he really does not like speaking live. Um, so I'd be surprised if he did. Very talented. Yes, yeah, and very, very. Uh, this this is actually quite amazing, and it gives you a lot more information. Once you've got this diagram down in your head, I think this is better than what they had before. <laughs> Controversially, I agree. <laughs> I think it was better than what they had before. Um. Because that's the one thing that, that that's been hammered, that has been coming through on the forums is this is the FSS has been very divisive. I think. I mean, what does everybody think? Does everybody? I mean, I actually quite like it because I'm actually now exploring systems which I would have ignored. I think the only problem that I do have with it is the fact that if I'm scanning something and the sun blocks it and I have to move, I think that is the only caveat that I've got about the whole new system. I have to admit, I'm, I really like it as well. I've got a couple, it needs a couple of little tweaks, I think, to make me really like it. But what we've got so far, if you get rid of a couple of little niggles, I'd be massively, I'd massive improvement i love it uh, and the fact that it let me go off and eventually find voyages one and two <laughs> straight in, away yeah in for less than a couple of minutes of searching versus spending two week two days just flying back and forth hoping i'd bump into something it, mm. it's that's a major improvement um and i've just remembered why i remember cohen left it's because he he went off and said to me my colonial citizens network batch so that's why I know him. Right, gotcha. Um, now, has anybody else got anything to say about this one? Yeah, me surprisingly. Um, <laughs> Go on, I, then. Think, I think people need to be careful to separate the scanner from the control methods of the scanner. Because for quite a lot of people, it seems, myself included, the control method seems designed primarily for a console controller to use rather than a HOTAS. Right, so, uh, right okay, I'm going to beg to differ now. Yeah, same here. Um, right, I'm not. I'm using my HOTAS for it. Let me just, I'm going to actually get myself into space, into Super Cruise, sorry. This is one of the things I think we shouldn't have to do. I should not have to go into Super Bloody Cruise to use my FFS scanner. Yeah, it, it would be... In terms of realism, oh, I'm in, it I'm in a, make more sense if you had to drop into normal space. Yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a fighter. I can't jump into that. So I've, I'm using, I've got the Thrustmaster Hotas X, and my that's on the back of that. I don't know what you've got, Suv, but on the back of that, I've got a little paddle, and that little paddle is ideal for running the scanner back and mm. forwards. It's just, it's I, so natural. It's like. It's just, it's the exactly the right thing. I guess my point um, is, is that 
I I prefer to use a mouse than a hotas or this sort of thing. Well, you and said hotas, you didn't say mouse. I was coming on to that, but you interrupted. Anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, I would rather the mouse act as a pointing mm -hmm. device, not as a controller. So it basically, your mouse is like it, it behaves like it is on the galaxy map, mm -hmm. rather than um, yeah. on, yeah, on the camera. Because, uh, and I have tried it on the hotas, and I've tried it on and I've sort of got a workable system but just the way the interface is portrayed and the way the control is I think is confusing a lot of people and causing a lot of angst I think if it was an easy to use or easier to use or especially frontier put in example keys into a keybind that at least got you going that's yeah, in there it's just that's... if we're running custom skins that, that's, that's the main issue because most of the people were running custom setups and those key binds were missing. I think that is where a lot of the confusion has come from. I mean, I, I will admit, I, for the first half hour or so while I was getting all that sorted out, I, I was spitting tacks about it. Mm -hmm. But then once I'd got um, a control setup I was comfortable with, I was um, scanning my way through systems left, right, and center. And I was really. And it's nothing that I would have done. Normally, I would have just honked, quick looked at the map and thought, ah, no, I'm not going to bother and, and move on. But this time, uh, yeah, I wanted to find out what was there. I thought that was a very, very good motivator. Yeah, I, I really like the new system. Um, I, I think that there's uh, the risk of changing things. Um, I, I mean, I love that it's, they've made lots of little nod, nods to science. Um, I love that it's skill-based and um, much more active you're doing things um i, I don't mind that it, it makes things slower and harder and in, in some senses uh, and i think that it, like th what was there was rubbish and if you flip the system around and everybody got used to this and then they said hey how about how about you just hold down a um a button to to show everything in the system and then just see it as a static line of planets everybody would be you know the forums would be on fire so i i think it's I think it's definitely better, and it's. Pro I don't think it's a terrible thing that people have to get used to a new system. Mm. Right. Well, that that will be a, a quick one. Um, we are actually beginning to run out of time a little bit here, so if we just quickly go through some of the other things. Um, I mean, has anybody seen some of the new discoveries that people have made within clouds? It's so cool. Like that the, was a, the, that the was thyroid mind. Oh, <laughs> yes. They're wicked. They're starfish type things. Yeah. Is that in the Lagrange clones? Yes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so nice that it's all of a sudden people get excited when they discover one of these things. Mm. I, I thought that was, that was great. Uh, I mean, obviously, just quickly, I mean, uh, did anyone try any of the scenarios? Because I know I did and thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't know that it'll get too one. repetitive. I keep looking for one, and I keep I keep seeing all these things. I was like, oh, I want to drop in on that, and then it's like it's like, no, you're not going to drop in here because I'm going to I'm going to sort of scoot away as soon as you drop in, and I kind of like oh, sod this then, and <laughs> went off and just did something else instead. <laughs> no, I, I did a couple of the defend the the megaship uh, attack the megaship ones, and to tell you the truth, it reminded me of the the good part of the Genosis event, if you see what I mean. Hmm. So I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed those, and I hope, hopefully they'll be able to expand more than the five that they've got in there at the moment, because they've only got five types. 
I've heard some criticism that even that they're quite quick. So like defending the mega ship or attacking the mega ship, it's it doesn't feel like you should have been able to defeat the mega ship that quickly. Well, two Plex on the on the Twitch chat says that they seem bugged. Mm. So it could it could be an error. Uh, I mean, I was I was there. <laughs> I, I, I was I was there for a good twenty minutes defending a mega ship. So I didn't think that was that was. Um... That sounds a decent length. It didn't yeah. seem as immersive as what it was seen on, on the live stream because when they showed up on the live stream, it looked fantastic. And I was wondering if your experience matched what we're showing. Um, yes, I'd say, with a caveat. <laughs> it, I mean, it sends it, a butt here. Well, <sighs> you knew it's because it, it, it felt, oh, hang on, I. I I knew it was a scenario. It didn't feel as if it, I flowed in here, flowed into it, and all of a sudden it was the mega ship calling for help. I'd, I'd flown there directly because I knew that that, that um, that's what would have happened. Uh, I think it. Oh, I had to explain it. I, it's just that I kind of went there looking for a, a scenario, and it happened. That's fine. I prefer it when a scenario was uh, it surprises you, surprises you. If you see what I mean, that's more of a, an awesome moment. Did you, th- yeah, did you feel that, that there, there were things that surprised you? Um, the particular one I did, no, because like I said, I was looking for the, for that event. Um, when I did drop in and rescued someone from uh, uh, who were running out of fuel, um, that that was nice because. Basically, at that point there, that person said, "I'm running out of, fuel. I've run out of fuel. Can you help?" And I didn't know that I would. I must have missed that bit in the live stream. Uh, so I was able to pop back to the fuel station, flip over my um, my limpet to be a fuel limpet, fly back, give them fuel, and off they went. And I thought, yeah, that that was actually immersive. But it was the fact that the, it it was a surprise, not a. No, cool. I didn't go looking for it. If you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's articulate enough. I'm not quite so sure. <laughs> um, and of course, well, we'll probably discuss this uh, a lot more depth next week. The Mamba looks pretty like big. It. She looks pretty damn sexy. I have to. There's only one question I have to ask: Is it going to be as Bigger is it going to be bigger than the Ferdinands? Because I remember someone seeing doing pictures all based on the, on the, the size of the cargo bay, and it looked as if the Mamba was going to be big, bigger than the Ferdinands. It looks like it might be about twice the size. Yeah, people That's... have postulated it's slightly bigger than Python, haven't they? Hmm. Yeah, that to me feels wrong because the Mamba should be a little fighter. Is that what and it was the, in the other games? Yeah, it was a triangle. It was a, it was a, it was about cheese wedge. Oh, what a surprise! It looked like a triangle of cheese. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> it did. It did. I think it was about the same size, if a little bit smaller than the Cobra Mark III. But then, most ships in Elite 1984, you know, had a difficult sense of scale on them. Yeah. Mm. I, mean, I have to. I yeah, but it had a window on the... it. It had a window on it, which gave it away as being about the same size as the Cobra. 
mm. in the in the original game. That's why it, I, I assumed it would be much smaller because that window, if it's a massive Python, that window is like seven stories big. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've not seen this one showing you the 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 size estimate stuff, but just going by the oh the image your picture, it looks like I thought it looks actually like it's going to be smaller than the Cobra because. You've got, like, the cockpit looks like it takes up maybe a third of the ship. Yeah, but like the courier, the cockpit is not a glass shell around the pilot's chair. It's a giant room that happens to have a pilot's chair in it. This, mm. the, the glass cockpit on the Mamba looks like a bubble cockpit like you might see in a fighter jet. But actually, underneath that, there's two decks. And yeah, two, so, two okay, there's two, there's two decks in there as well. So I saw those like two it, chairs. Yeah. Mm. Right, well, so obviously... Oh, you've got one more going on ship. Um, people have discovered an 8A frame shift drive in stock in some space stations, Ooh. which beg which begs the question: If it's not there as a placeholder, what is it for? Could the we Imperial be Explorer from the RPG? <laughs> I hope so. But could Imagine. we be seeing a hint of Panther Clipper? Maybe. Oh, don't don't get my hopes up. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's of any use, Colin, a Panther Kipper would probably be extremely expensive to fit out because the typical price for an 8A piece of equipment is $162 million before discount. Wow. It wow. would make sense to add a super huge tier because you're getting to the point where there are lots and lots of billionaire players with not a great deal to spend their money on. It would, and if it was an 8A flame shift drive, if Panther Clipper could carry 2,000 tons of cargo, it would probably give it about the same range as a Cutter, maybe less. Yeah, yeah. I'm just guessing here, but extrapolating it out. Anyway, we'll have to see. <laughs> how can you have something that turns slower than a cutter? Surely that's just inviting suicide, mass suicide. Well, it, 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 it'll be so big it can bulldoze the space station out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> Pilotable space station. <laughs> yeah, or, which would be amazing, you need a, not a fighter, but you need a shuttle to fly from there to dock with the space station. That would be amazing. I think or, um, there was there was talk of the Panther Clipper being that big. I remember um, David Brabham discussing the fact that if they wanted these big ships that couldn't dock with the space station, and they had to link up in a different way. And you know those those might be part of future plans, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll have to move on because time is against us at the moment. Um, one of the, the, the new things that uh, has been happening in the last week is ED Assets 2.0 has, uh, has been released. Now, the original ED Assets site was, was fantastic because basically uh, there was a lot of uh, artwork there that you could use in your fan productions. But uh, it's now been upgraded to obviously 2.0. Uh, has anybody had a look through, through this? I've not. I've had a look through it, and I've not seen anything that I can identify as brand new assets. It's just a lot better laid out, and it just looks a lot. It looks. It's just had. An, it's had a graphical logo. Yeah. Um, so, and um, isn't that Silent Garden Spy Tech Thirteen, who are the the two um, uh, guardians of it or maintainers of it? Uh, I know Spy Tech's involved. I don't know who else is involved. 
Uh, it looks like, according to to um, <clears throat> according to Reddit, it's um, okay. <laughs> Silent Guard, uh, and uh, there's some uh, redesign work with uh, Musipan and Spytech Thirteen are, are are all involved in in that project. Uh, and I must admit, I've used some of that stuff in my own um, uh, in my in my stuff for the the Elite Miniatures game. Yes, yeah, so, no, awesome stuff in it. Yes. Uh, and other things, obviously, we've covered the truckers are going up the mountain this Sunday. I think me and Dr. Toxic will be taking part in a team uh, early on the Sunday morning. <laughs> um, there's been a new passenger cabin type found in the beta. Uh, has anybody else seen this? No, I haven't heard anything about it. What's it called? Uh, a prison cabin. Nice. That's cool. So that that's that does imply maybe some new types of mission coming along. Um, we've also got cargo that stabs, <laughs> or, or or maybe it's a way of carrying wanted passengers without being in a wanted ship. Getting some biofuel. Mm. <laughs> uh, well, Scott Manley has also gone into detail on his YouTube channel about. Uh, the uh, the discussion or the demo he did for NASA. So uh, we'll put that link in the show notes because uh, Scott Manley is is always watchable when it comes to uh, his dealings with NASA. And um, of course, we've got a beta lighting comparison versus the current game, and um, that was put out in in Reddit as well. Uh, has anybody seen that? Because I thought that was that really shows off how much work's been put in, doesn't it? Yeah, Roots Rootstrap did that, and it looks amazing. And spoilers, he's actually looking at doing an updated one when he's got some more time as well. Oh, apparently, we'll see what happens. Apparently, so yeah, he is on about it. It 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 does seem we've now hit the busy period because we've had an awful lot of dry spells over the last couple of couple of weeks, and then all of a sudden everything is now starting to uh, to gain some momentum. And on the subject of momentum, we have an update on ED battle cards. I do believe, fingers crossed, John. Um, yes. Well, um, I don't know how much everyone uh, listening knows about the. Um the 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 wading through treacle that has been going on over the last three months but in very very um uh quick synopsis um we launched battle cards we were three days to the end of the kickstarter 30 day um campaign when we were suspended by kickstarter because someone had put in a claim that we had stolen their ip or their copyright now this had happened to us previously with the edrpg but after 10 15 days kickstarter realized that the troll who'd done it had no intention of actually backing up any of his accusations with any proof so they reinstated us this time however the same accusation same person but this time it came via lawyers um and one thing that we thought was quite good about that was that obviously the law firm involved would respond to our lawyers and because fronted developments um cover us in our um, licensing agreement for all things to do with ip claims um we we um joined their law firm as clients and they're now representing us they wrote to the lawyers on the other half the other side and have been flatly ignored 
Um, I mean, not even an exchange of details, not even a this is the person involved who you need to speak to. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. These lawyers uh, don't have some kind of like, I don't know, it's a, a PO box that's round the back of the bar or something like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, possibly. I mean, it's, uh, you know, there, there are various jungle drums that lawyers can talk to each other on. Um, but no, there was absolutely nothing. And so um, uh, we were did a bit of brainstorming with Frontier to try and work out exactly what we do. Of course, the worst thing, by, by drawing more attention to this bloke, we're giving him a platform, and he certainly doesn't deserve that. He deserves to be buried under one rather than um, <laughs> rather than be given one. So, you know, and... and the views of Commander Shokunor do not necessarily represent those of radio. <laughs> uh, no, quite. Um, that. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the idea, um, I think, was, was mooted um by frontier that um the lawyers basically go back to kickstarter and say now that we've had three months of inactivity um mm. what you've basically got is you know there are tens of thousands of campaigns currently running through kickstarter unmolested um they haven't been subjected to any suspension and one of the reasons why they haven't is because they have not been subjected to a um substantiated uh, copyright claim um according to the regulations set out in the um, DMCA Act. Well, neither have we. You know, we've, we've received an email from some random who said, yeah, what, what you have, you stole from me. But that's not a quantified, um, fully detailed um, claim. And, and the, the, the legislation, the DMCA Act, actually sets out if you're going to make a claim and if you Kickstarter are going to, or a, a computer company like kickstarter if you're going to react to it you need to insist on these things happening well none of them have happened so basically three months on kickstarter have suspended us and are keeping us suspended for no real particular reason yeah. you know how lawyers have a way of going is that a problem well that's kind of what they said to kickstarter they haven't said if you don't put us back up again we're taking you outside um but they've kind of intimated that at the moment a suspension is an unfair act because we're suffering from um you know being suspended for no reason yeah you now need to just well, basically you go don't you really are suffering from it as well i mean it's not just, uh, <laughs> yeah i mean it's not you know, just when, you're suffering you are actually suffering when yeah i mean when we were when we had uh, the edrpg when that was first taken down, it was a bit of a news item for the industry press. So we got a bit of coverage from that. And because Kickstarter quite, quite, you know, early on realized this bloke was just yanking their chain, we were back up and running. And to be totally honest, the extra exposure did us the world of good and gave us some extra followers and some extra backers, which was amazing. <laughs> this time, however, you know, being such a small company, and at the moment we've only got one published game, and that is EDRPG, we were banking on the idea of um, spending a bit of the money that we'd earned from EDRPG's distribution deal um, on the cards on the basis that we don't need to pay for fulfillment until the printing is done. But by that time, the Kickstarter will be done for the battle card, so we can put the money back into the EDRPG account and they can you know pay for yeah. the fulfillment all that kind of stuff and it's and and it's how you basically just pay for the next project because whatever people say to launch something on kickstarter if you want the right graphics if you want the right design if you want to play test if you want to print the game so you can take it to places like um the uk games expo lave 
LaveCon, all that sort of stuff, it costs money and it's cost several thousands of pounds. Um, so we've invested all that money into it, knowing that we would stand a quite good chance of successfully reaching our target, which we did, and we went over it. But we need that money to then continue to release further projects. And when that was stopped and we ran out of money, that then started to hurt us significantly. Mm. And, um, you know, so we've, we've had to... Um, both Oliver and I have gone back to, to working full time. Um, and this is just, and, and we've, yeah, we've, we've, we were running out of money to the point where at one point we suspected that the fulfillment company would probably take the rest of our stock uh, and offer it at a discount, thus being able to recover their money. Oh. Um, and when you're a small company that's just set up and you're facing a sort of a, a they weren't threatening a winding up petition, but you could feel that they were getting closer to it. And we were just there going, yeah, but honest governor, they don't know frontier developments as well as we do, which means that they're not there going, listen, bruv, we feel you, we, we feel your pain. We know you're legit. Mm. They're just looking at it going, right. So your first Kickstarter was taken down by DMCA oh. claim. Your second one's been taken down by you, what are you idiots yeah you, you you and 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 that hardly ever happens so you're clearly a you're clearly a bad apple yeah exactly oh, and right. so so your your games and also of course you've got little things like the um game quest introduced us to asmodee who are uh distributors for games they're one of the europe's biggest um and their buyers were, came over to see us at EGX, played our game, thought it was amazing, put in some orders for quite a significant number of uh, battle card units to go into shops. That mm. money has gone because we're not going to get those orders now that we're under a, a you know copyright claim. So from an actual physical financial cost, this chap um, and his um, Ian Bell Elite Rights LLC has actually cost us lost revenue provable quantifiable lost revenue mm. and the fact of the matter is he is complaining about copyright that we don't own so it doesn't matter whether he's got a valid argument i personally don't think he has otherwise he would have shown the proof smacked us down gone straight for frontier and been paid a hefty check he's done none of those things and every time frontier puts out a do you want to come speak to us or speak to our lawyers or do you want to do something he's flatly ignored them so I think he's just with his own agenda, and I don't know what that is, but he's actually cost us real money. And so that's got to be gained from somewhere. Now, of course, I don't want to get involved in litigation with some bloke and, you know, and, and, and his mother who he's put on the, the uh, partnership form with him and all this sort of stuff. I want to make games, but he is making it almost impossible and he is doing everything he possibly can to ruin a small business that is that can't it can't withstand that kind of three months of not releasing a game and not getting our hands on that money mm. has almost been fatal for spider mine games um oh. and it's it, it's had other effects like we've released snowflake don't get me wrong snowflake's an awesome game people will love it everybody who listens to this podcast must go and back it because it's awesome um <laughs> but i uh, did did I slip that past everyone? That's that's yeah. yeah uh, well, that's that's subtle. You like that one, did you? Was that yeah, um, I like that one. Cool. But but if you know it, we've had to release it now, 
out of our production schedule, we've had to change the production schedule completely, turn it on its head, because one of the projects we're working on, which is really rather exciting, we can't because we don't have the money for it. So we've had to just basically dust off Snowflake and go, do you know what you'll do? And off you go. Mm. Whereas we would have loved to have done a full, you know, couple of months worth of promotion, maybe a little bit of paid advertising through Facebook and Twitter. We can't because we can't afford it. You know, absolutely everything that we have planned for, worked our asses off for the last four years, stands a very good chance of being flushed down the toilet because this bloke has a gripe with Frontier. Well, that battle was fought years ago. Well, it was and settled by everybody. Precisely, yeah including including ian bell and then all of a sudden this bloke turns up and says yeah but i bought the rights off ian bell in the pub a couple of weeks ago so this is what it gives me the right to do now Mm. if he thinks he's got those and he thinks he's right i'm not saying he doesn't have a right to put in an argument but to just have us taken down and then for three months utterly ignore every correspondence we send out yeah, and then just sit back and go, yeah, I'm happy for you guys to be starved of oxygen and die slowly. That's just not on. I mean, yeah. doesn't that, why, why are you doing this? Mm. And so we, so we, you know, we've, we've launched Snowflake and as I said, it's, we've, we put our heart and soul into Snowflake, but it has to work. Snowflake has to, has to, has to work because we're now reliant on it more so than we ever were going to be before because of the, the the stranglehold this guy's got and the influence he's got with kickstarter as well surely kickstarter at some point are going to turn around and go well you're wasting our time dude so we'll yeah. put the cards back up i feel like uh, snowflake's probably got a better chance of widespread mainstream success than um than that's one of the reasons why we released it but but it's only got a chance of wide you know wider a, appeal if we can afford to take it out to the wider audience yeah, yeah you know we we can't you can't launch a game on a kevin costner field of dreams if you build it they will come kind of idea every so often you're really lucky and one goes viral without much effort but if you ask most producers of successful games really really successful games you'd be so surprised at how much work goes in behind the scenes and we've had 99 percent of what we were going to do for snowflake ripped from under us but we still have to launch it because we can't afford not to. If you guys get your stuff, if I don't know what's going to happen, but if you can get Snowflake and Battle Cards onto the Asmodee stand in future conventions, that'll be amazing because I know when we were at EGX and, oh, Insomnia, you know, my son and I spent more time at the Asmodee stand because it was frankly better than the rest of Insomnia put together. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And um, with uh, the the Asmodee stand, um, they actually have a contract with a number of the computer game conventions to provide mm-hmm. tables and board and card games for people who turn up to the computer conventions. Yeah. And again, they were talking about their buyer came up to us at EGX and said, we'd love to include your game because clearly there's a crossover here between the computer game and the and the board game. But and 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 your card game is absolutely perfect. So there's another order that's gone. Now yeah. I I'm not oh. saying not I, I'm not saying that any of this can't be rescued, but if you've got go back until to things the, get cleaned up, you can't you can't do squats. Exactly. And go back to the EDRPG backers. Just because we've run out of money 
there is a small tranche of about 15% of those backers who still have not had their stuff because GameQuest have gone, you ran out of money, you can't pay us anymore, so we're not sending any more stuff out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the only people who we've actually earned money off and the one set of people we cannot afford to upset are our backers for EDRPG, and yet we now can't do anything except more apologies for more delays now i have to say that every single person who invested in the rpg apart from the fact that they are legends because they invested in in us they have also been incredibly supportive but i don't want to take the mickey and i don't want to expect that just because these people are extremely decent that we can just go oh well it's all right that's fine you know we we need to get the battle cards back up and running because it's a great game um, the people who played it, we've had fantastic feedback from. I want to get it out there. I want the when it, whenever the the expo for the paid content for next year that Frontier Developments will put together, no doubt. I want to be there selling that as well. And Spider Mine Games was very, very, very close to just throwing in the towel and going, we can't do this anymore. So, so yeah. So, so Snowflake needs to work, and and we hope it will. And we also hope that within the next couple of weeks, because of the slightly harsher worded letter that the lawyers have sent to Kickstarter, we're kind of now to that point where Kickstarter have really not got no option. They either say, yep, we're happy to cause you financial strife or no, we get it. We've given them three months. No company in their right mind would make a copyright claim and then stay stum for three months. You just don't do that. So, yeah, grand. We'll put you back up again commander lennon has actually raised an awesome point and idea and you know, maybe an alternative uh, way of doing your battle part in ed battle cards using snowflake roasts oh. how does that work <laughs> rather than doing combat calculations you just put snowflake roasts in there and that's how oh you yeah okay yeah so yeah so so yeah okay so if you um Okay, well, we, you know what, we can, we'll try that at Lavecon. Um, <laughs> we'll have a mix, we'll have a hybrid um, where you can come in costume so you can be in the RPG as well. That sounds good. <laughs> yes. Well, so, I mean, thanks for the update, John. I mean, oh, fingers crossed that the lawyers managed to get this, this project rolling again. Um, so, yeah. Well, thank you very much, and I, I don't want don't want to sound like it's doom and gloom. You know, Oliver and I are, are still as passionate as we always have been for making games. Um, and if you know, if if the people listening to this um, have got Twitter or have got Facebook, just um, something like a, a like or a retweet for for our Snowflake stuff to just get it out there to as many people as possible. It's early days, and we have got lots and lots planned for promotion. But if anyone out there can throw us a bone by just retweeting or just you know being being supportive then the more people who are talking about snowflake the more chance we have of it being picked up by the sort of the main streamers um and then we can you know then then it will be a bit of a runaway success because because i think it you know it's, it there is something there in it that people find funny and will enjoy um the concept of and so yeah just just um if you can just throw us some love that would be absolutely amazing and uh, it would also show the the trolls that actually they don't they don't win mm. yep well 
Okay, well, what we'll do now is uh, we'll quickly give um, people the, the shout-outs, the usual shout-outs. Um, before I do that, has anybody got any final business they want to quickly uh, touch on? Not for uh, me. No, no? Okay, then. Well, Ben, you've got to say something about a random stranger. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, I've another thing I've been doing this weekend is I was... I got into the Fallout 76 beta thanks to a random stranger on the internet by the name of Tipsy Berserker. So thank you very much to that person on Reddit, even though they probably don't listen to the show. <laughs> um, and I'll just very quickly say I've, play, I've only managed to play about 40, 50 minutes of, of Fallout 76 because uh, I love Fallout uh, 3, New, Ve um, New Vegas, and 4. Um, Fallout 76 is looking very pretty. I've not tried the building stuff, but it looks pretty and it runs good. And it's actually a Fallout game, not a Elder Scrolls Online game in a Fallout skin, which was my big concern. Yeah, I've um, heard that as well. And, and it's not a, a Diablo on mobile type of game. No. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. Let's move on. <laughs> LaveCon of 2019 is set for the between the 4th and the 7th of July. Uh, for those of you who are like their trucking, we have our sister station, the Hutton Orbital Radio, which broadcasts on on Thursdays at uh, half past eight at TV dot for the mug dot com or radio for the mug dot com for just for the audio. There's the CQC Discord for the discerning commander who likes a bit of CQC action. And um of course coming up after this we have the an excellent Galnet news by Commander Wotherspoon. So that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com, facebook.com slash laveradio, at laveradio on Twitter, and you can join the Discord chat channel by going to discord.io slash laveradio. You can join our TeamSpeak server where commanders like to come out and chat at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at approximately 8.30 GMT and stream streamed out at laveradio.com slash live. So thanks to John, thanks to uh, Shan, thanks to uh, Ben, uh, thanks to Grant, and thanks uh, <clears throat> to Commander Sovereign for joining us this week. And um, until next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Is your life like this? I'm going to see the galaxy.
guys. Hold the fort for two seconds. I'll be right back. Sixth November 3304. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, Braben ousted from Pilots Federation. Bombing the graph paper. Unexpected snake in the beta area. Ramtar refused life insurance. About turn in bot hacking investigation. Braben ousted from Pilots Federation. It's been revealed that a bloodless coup has unseated Commander Braben from his position as Director of the Galaxy. The new head honcho is one Lawrence Alden, who's believed to have marched on the Pilots' Federation headquarters at the head of a column of angry designers at some point last year, and seized power from the hapless Braben. Alden has a background in design, having invented the porridge gun, the turnip launcher, and springy boots, as part of a successful campaign to defeat the notorious pirate Feathers McGraw. Commander Braben has been imprisoned in a luxury office on the top floor, but has also been granted the honorary title Head of Vision, and given an orrery to play with. Commander Braben can take some comfort that he's far from penniless. He has almost as many shares in the Pilots' Federation as Commander Jester D. Bombing the Graph Paper The Pilots' Federation has denied that the powerful new full-frequency scanner will make the detailed surface scanner redundant. Instead, the DSS has been repurposed as a means of raining terror upon the inhabitants of any planets you may encounter, and of actually finding stuff. The new DSS, which is undergoing testing, works by launching explosive probes from supercruise onto the planet's surface. When they hit the ground, the resultant mushroom cloud, which appears on your heads-up display as blue graph paper, shows the extent of the planet that has now been destroyed and or mapped. You can bomb planetary rings to make any mineral hotspots glow. You can aim slightly away from the planet to send your probe round the back. There's even a button to let you examine the backside and see what damage you've done. Once you've finished mapping and the entire planet is glowing blue from the fallout, you can see a list of all the sites and points of interest on the planetary surface. There are an awful lot of them. Sinister alien sites, spectacular geological vents, geysers and fumaroles, and the weirdly slimy biological stuff that the Alliance smokes for their legal high. When you eventually sell your cartographic data, you might even be lucky enough to get a first bond-buy tag on the system map. Unexpected snake in the beta area. Commander's experimenting with the Galactic Simulator, a full-size replica of the real galaxy, have been surprised to see some unusual ships flying around. There have not yet been any confirmed sightings of the Boa, 
Constrictor, Gecko, Moray Starboat, Planetary Shuttle or Worm-class landing craft, but video evidence has been received from more than one source that a new twin-hull ship with centre cockpit, called the Mamba, is in use by non-pilots federation ship captains in several systems in the bubble. The original, lightning-fast Riort Shipping Federation Mamba Racer of 3110 was later heavily modified, first to add weapons, and then later Radlett and Rayburn shipyards added a cargo hold. The new ship bearing the name appears to be substantially larger. Whether it'll be able to take the crown of the fastest ship in the galaxy from the Imperial Courier remains to be seen. Rantar Refused Life Insurance In a bold, some might say foolhardy move, engineer Rantar has rejected the Sirius Corporation's offer of assistance in manufacturing TAR's range of Guardian-based weaponry and fighters. TAR apparently believes that making the technology freely available through his network of technology brokers at an affordable price due to Aegis's sponsorship is more important than remaining alive. The chief executive officer of Sirius Corporation, Lee Yong-ri, said the offer remains open and that he hopes Engineer Ta will have a change of heart before it's too late. About turn in bot hacking investigation. Following last week's thinly veiled threats from the Mars Tribune, the Federal Security Service has abruptly ceased its investigation into the Tribune. Kingsley Cordova, billionaire owner of the newspaper, had raised concerns over whether senior figures in the FSS may have been spied upon by their hacked personal assistant robots, and said that he was worried that if the FSS continued to investigate the Tribune, some pretty sordid secrets might become public. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to.